Joe Kissel takes control of the newest edition of 1Password. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Collide. Collide is a fleet visibility solution for Mac, Windows, and Linux that can help you securely scale your business. Learn more at collide.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, while we were at CES, Joe Kissel was busy updating and releasing his Take Control of 1Password to the 6th edition. And so we're a little bit behind talking to Joe about that, but Joe Kissel was here. Joe, good to see you. Hello. Nice to be here as always. This is the first time in 2023. I can't believe it took us until February to get it done. Yeah. Well, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping (laughs) into the future. There there you go. Little little pop culture reference there. (laughs) So one password. I mean, first of all, I, I I feel an obligation to say up front, I am a 1Password user. I'm a 1Password fan. Um, so having said that, though, there seems to be a bit of a kerfuffle over the new version of 1Password. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, boy, I don't even know where to start with this story. But anyway, uh, 1Password is currently at version 8. I mean, it's 8 point bunch of digits after that. I'd have to look up what it is at the moment. But uh, I had, you know, the previous edition of the book sort of talked about 1Password 7. And preliminary kind of preview versions of 1Password 8 were available for certain platforms and everything was just sort of coming together. And and since that old version of the book uh, came out, uh, 1Password not only was updated to version 8 across all platforms, but then version 8 was updated over and over and over and over again. And as we'll talk about later, um, it's even been updated since my book was released. So, but um, the change from 1Password 7 to 1Password 8 was was a really, really big one. And it it was a bigger deal for Mac users than for anybody else. And as you say, there there was a kerfuffle. So um, maybe we'll just talk about that for a few minutes. I, I think it, it's important because anyone that's out there looking for a password manager and there are people that are going to be saying, oh, my God, you know, 1Password this and 1Password that. And I think they need to understand what the issues are from someone that's a bit more objective. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, write, I write about the kerfuffle in considerable detail in my book, but we'll just, we'll just explore a little bit of it here. So, you know, software gets updated all the time and companies add features and they make user interface changes and sometimes features go away, sometimes new features appear, sometimes things go away for a while and then come back and this is just normal. Okay, all software is like this, nothing surprising. And if an app takes away a feature that you like, that will make you unhappy. And if it adds a feature that, you know, slows down your system or gets in your way, that'll make you unhappy. And then sometimes, you oh, I never thought of this. This is great. This is lovely. This, this, this makes my life easier. So there are good things. So that's just how, how software always is for, for all platforms for all time. And that's fine. 
and this process has has happened with one password as well over the years i mean this this book's in its 6th edition and <laughs> i've been using one password since like version 1. Point something or other like a long long time ago and uh, i've i've seen and documented a lot of changes some of them good some of them not so good but the, the one change out of many, the one change out of many that really got people up in arms over the switch from version 7 to version 8 was something called Electron. Now, as you know from your high school physics class, an electron is negatively charged. And that's how the reactions were to 1Password's use of Electron. <laughs> So for those of you who aren't developers or aren't, you know, don't follow sort of tech minutia very carefully, Electron is something that developers use, something that programmers use to make their lives easier. It's a framework that allows programmers to use the same tools they would make when building a website, such as cascading style sheets and JavaScript and other web based technologies. They can use those same technologies to build a desktop app that will run on Windows or Mac or Linux, what have you. And this is nice for developers because they, number one, get to reuse the skills that they, they have from building things for the web. Number two, they can build something once and with just very minor changes, get that app to run on three major desktop platforms rather than saying, well, we have to build a Mac app from scratch and then we have to build a Windows app from scratch. It's just, it's quite a hassle. And one of the problems that 1Password has had for years and years and years is that the Mac version and the Windows version and the Linux version and the mobile versions were all out of sync with each other. I'd have to say, well, this feature exists on Mac, but it doesn't exist on Windows. Whereas this feature exists on Windows, doesn't exist on Mac. And this version, this feature exists on iOS, but it doesn't exist on Android. And there's just like a million of those things. So 1Password decided that they would use this platform called Electron to make their app. And they would use this for, for all of the desktop platforms and so that they would all look the same they would all act the same. They would all have the same features with okay, a few little minor variations. So why would anybody not like that? What's wrong with that? Well, the major complaints that Mac users have about electron-based apps, uh, first of all, they don't tend to look or feel like real kind of built from scratch native Mac apps. They're, they're native only in a narrow technical sense, but they behave as though you just have a, a web browser in a separate window and that web browser contains only one app, but otherwise it sor sort of looks and acts like a web browser. So it's not that it can't do the things it needs to do so much as that it just doesn't mm, feel right. It Things don't look and act the way I, I might expect them to. And that's true for, for all platforms. But, a, but an even bigger concern is that Electron apps tend to be really, really resource hungry. So they uh, use up tons of RAM, tons of CPU while doing hardly anything. And they're big, big apps too. So people are like, well, 
I have this gigantic app that's sucking up all of my processor power and all of my RAM, and it's not doing any more than I could do in just a web page. And for all that, it doesn't even look or feel right. So uh, a lot of people, myself included, have built up a sort of a sort of negative impression, you know, negatively charged impression of Electron for, for good reasons. I mean, I've spent a lot of time using Slack and Slack is an Electron app. And I just, I, it's, it, it adds very little uh, compared to what you get in, in just a web page. And it's annoying. And there are, there are a bunch of other examples too. Slack might be the best known one. There, there are plenty of others. There, there are other password managers that use Electron. Um, anyway, uh, when I heard about this switch, I was like, that's going to be rough. And the first several betas were, in fact, very, very rough. And I was like, oh man, I everything about this is painful. I don't, I, I, that, that doesn't, doesn't look right. It doesn't work right. And it just sucks. But as time went on, the 1Password engineers did their homework. They, it turns out that Electron as such is not the problem. Electron is just a tool. It's a tool that can be used for good or a tool that can be used for evil. I mean, the same thing can be said about money, right? About lots of things. It's, it's a tool. And if developers put in the time and effort, an Electron app can be just as good a citizen in terms of, you know, performance and um, RAM and CPU usage and size as any other app. And all those, these little annoyances that people are like, oh, you can't even, you can't even move the preferences window because it's not a real window. It's just, it's just a view. And, and but, but, but they're like, but actually you can, you can, you can change a setting so that you can now move around the preferences window. That's not, it's not an inherent problem to Electron. It's a problem of developers being lazy and not putting in the effort to make their Electron apps work the way they should on each platform. So Agile Bits folks put in the work. And I won't say that it's perfect. It's definitely not. I won't say that there aren't still some remnants of the Electron-ness of it that irritate me a little bit. There are. But I hardly ever even notice it or think about it anymore. I, I'm like, but it has these new features, which are great and which I never had before. And that's awesome. And as somebody who switches platforms all the time and has to write about, well, I have to write about the, the Windows version. I have to write about the Linux version. Uh, being able to describe something once for three different platforms is wonderful. So what I would, what I would really say is I think that for the most part, this was a tempest in a teapot. It's not that there weren't some real issues, and it's not even that there aren't still some issues, but they're not huge issues. And as time goes on, um, the, the issues keep disappearing. So there are fewer of them now than there were even a month ago. So if if you are not the sort of person that really looks deeply into the look and feel of apps and performance and all that kind of stuff, you might not have even noticed. It's more the, the geekier folk uh, like me 
who uh, have, have been burned by Electron apps in the past uh, had every right to be skeptical about 1Password 8. But my feeling is, oh, just get, give it a chance. Give it a chance. You will be pleasantly surprised. So that's that's not the only the only, the only issue the only consideration there were some some complaints about the licensing model because now you have to subscribe you can't you can't buy a one time forever license anymore and the only way you can sync your data now is via the onepassword.com cloud so you can't sync it via Dropbox or iCloud or whatever anymore. You used to be able to do that. You can't do that anymore. And I know that there are people that are unhappy about those things for reasons. And I talk about those in the book and like, well, this is the way it is. And this is why it's this way. And this is why, in my professional opinion, you don't need to be unhappy about that. But I mean, if you're unhappy about it, go use a different product. And <laughs> what else can I say? Um, okay, so let me throw just a couple things out. Um, first of all, I was one that when I upgraded to One Password Eight, it's like, oh, it looks a little different. Yeah. Then again, I can think of a half dozen honest to god Mac apps that have upgraded things in let's just say the past year, and when I open the new version, it's like, oh, it looks right. different. Right. So never really, you know, thought about it. That's yeah. not a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think the your comments about the upgrades that have and, and updates that have continued, uh, bringing features back, you know, making changes. Um, I mean, I'm, I I go back to thinking when Final Cut was rewritten and first came out, and a lot of features weren't there, and they we all had to wait for them to come back. It happened with the um, with the iWork suite as mm -hmm. well. And so when when you're rewriting something, you know, if you waited until you got it to parity then it would be, I mean, first of all, it would be forever. And it probably means that you weren't keeping up the old version of the app anyway. So, you know, there's that. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Mac users, let's say Mac, Mac users of a certain vintage um, might remember such scandals as Microsoft Word 6. Um, you know, there, there, <laughs> there, there have been times when a major developer made sweeping changes and you're just like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, and uh, like, okay, so I, I get that. But like, just, just to take one example, during the early betas of 1Password 8 for Mac, one of the things that didn't work and made everybody super mad was command backslash. So that was for, you know, a decade plus, that has been the shortcut. You press command backslash, and that fills in your credentials. Command, it's, it's in everybody's muscle memory, those two, those two, command backslash, command backslash. And for a while, uh, that didn't work, and you had to press uh, command shift spacebar or something to get the same thing, and everybody's like, oh, come on. Is this, it, you, you, just because you can't use command backslash on Windows, does that mean that, Mac users have to lose this thing that we've become accustomed to in all these, you know, for all these years. And then Agile Bits is like, I'll tell you what, we're going to give you back command backslash. And not only that, but we're going to make it better because now not only does command backslash work again, it works everywhere. It doesn't just work in Safari. It just doesn't, doesn't just work in browsers. It works in other random apps. 
So I have other apps that I have to open and I have to log into accounts. And I just found myself, so like I, I, you know, I sell books on the Apple bookstore. And so in order to do that, I have to use an Apple app called iTunes producer. Yes, it's still called iTunes producer. And yes, we still use that even though we're not doing music. But anyway, this is the app. And uh, one day I, I opened this app because I'm going to submit a new book to Apple. And just out of reflex, when it, when it asked me for my username and password, I typed command backslash and it just filled it in. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? How, what? How did, how, how did it do that? How? And so that's, so that's universal autofill. And that's one of the uh, numerous new features in 1Password 8 that we never had before. And I am really happy about that. It makes my life so much easier. And, you know, of course, there's a bunch more. So um, that's why I say before you get all, you know, out of sorts over over what's new, it's just about to give it a try and you might be pleasantly surprised. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Collide. Our sponsor, Collide, has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero-trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems by keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecure devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions on how to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set period of time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit Collide.com to learn more or book a demo. That's Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash MacVoices. Thanks to Collide for supporting this week's Mac Voices. The other thing, too, that I, I just have to comment on, especially, I mean, 1Password is the poster child for it, is the subscription model. Yeah. Is I, I want 1Password to be a subscription model because then I have expectations that all those updates are going to keep on coming um, and they're going to come frequently, much sorry, Joe, for you, um, but, you know, they're, they're going to make it a more secure product that, that it's not just going to be focused on the functionality, but it's going to be focused on the security. And I want my, my password app to have the best possible security. And look, if that means giving up syncing through iCloud or Dropbox or whatever, and just going straight to their servers because... You know, you you put all your eggs in in one basket, but then you watch that basket very carefully. You know. Yeah. And well, in fact, there are the these two issues are related, but they're really two separate things. So there's there's how you pay for it, the licensing model, and then there's how you sync your data. So year and a half or however long ago, you know, one password seven was the only version you could get for a Mac. Uh, they, they introduced the 1Password accounts as an option. You could buy the standalone product or you could subscribe uh, and pay them whatever it was, $36 a year or something for a license. And, and either way, it would work. And then they gradually started 
phasing out the standalone product and making it harder and harder and harder to find. And eventually it said, yeah, as of, as of version eight, that's just not even possible anymore. The only way you can, you can license it is to pay us an annual fee. Now, as far as, as far as the annual fee goes, sure. Like everyone I have, I've experienced some unhappiness around software subscriptions. There are places where it feels really appropriate and there are places where it really doesn't. If I am paying a company, whatever, it doesn't matter if it's $20 a year or $100 a year, but if I'm paying them annually and over the course of a year, I get almost no new features, I still have outstanding bugs, I st- like it doesn't, doesn't end up improving my life at all, then I think that's just that's just wrong. If you're if you're if you're paying if you're making me pay monthly or annually, I I want to see active development. I want to see you making it better for me, and uh, I want to I want to know that I'm continuing to get a lot of value out of it. Um, you know, like for me, um, boy, I don't know how, if I want to go off on this tangent, but I'll just say um, I. I, I don't like the idea of paying Adobe an annual subscription for however many Adobe apps I want to use. And so I am currently, I have a license, the, the last version of Adobe Acrobat, which is the only Adobe product I actively use. I, I, I bought the last version of that that you can get still today in a standalone version. And I will use that until it stops working because um for me, the the additional value I get from one year to the next out of very very minor changes to Acrobat, they don't affect me. They don't affect my work. They don't they don't help me, and so I I, I feel a little bit of resentment about having to pay monthly or or annually for that, and I and I don't want to pay for apps like Photoshop that I just don't use. Okay. So there, there have been there have been some some subscription models where I just think that's it's 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 a pretty transparent cash grab, and it's not we're doing this to support continued development. But as you say, um, one password is not one of those. One password is under very very active development, and they have outstanding tech support, and they have extreme security. And when it comes to something as important as my password manager, I don't want to run the risk that because they didn't get enough subscribers or, you know, they didn't have enough people buy their standalone license that they're not going to have a next version or that a bug won't be fixed. I don't worry about that at all with one password. So if there is ever a category of app for which that subscription model was okay, this would be it. I, it. It's so easy to go down, and, and we, we're not going to go there. It's a, it's a big debate about subscription, but I agree with everything you just said. But the, the phrase active development is one that I haven't heard used, and that may be a good model for folks who debate the wisdom of a subscription uh, on a particular piece of software to use. Go back and look at the version history, see how often it does get updates, and not the major updates, but all the little those little updates – um, that that's because that's a borderline objective measurement of how active the developer is. Yeah, yeah, and so it, that includes adding new features, but not just adding new features for the sake of it, but adding new features that are actually helpful. It also includes 
fixing bugs, maintaining uh, compatibility with new operating system features and versions, and uh, keeping security clamped down because there are always new security threats. So I, I think that's super important. I did want to address the other half of that, though, because it, it used to be the case that even if you paid one password for an annual license, you could still ignore their server in terms of syncing and just say, well, I've got a local copy on this device and I'm going to use Dropbox or I'm going to use iCloud or I'm just going to do a local sync over my own Wi-Fi network to my other devices so that my data never touches the cloud. And I've heard from quite a few people that are like, no, that, that's, that's really the final, Electron, whatever, but that's really the final straw is because I want to have control over my own data. And I just, I, I, I find that a little bit baffling because with your 1Password data, everything is very, very strongly encrypted on your device. No unencrypted data ever ever leaves your device. And that's true. That was true when you were using Dropbox or iCloud, and it's true when you're using uh, Agile Bit servers. Your data is no less safe there than it would be any place else. That, like either you trust encryption or you don't. And if you trust encryption, then you know that that's your reason why using Dropbox or iCloud would feel safe to you because the data is not something that Dropbox can read. It's not something that Apple can read. It's encrypted before it ever leaves your device. It's encrypted while it's there and it's encrypted in transit and it's, it's, it's always encrypted. So the same is true for using their servers. The benefit is when I was, I, I tried using uh, iCloud Sync and Dropbox Sync in the past and I was constantly having sync errors and sync problems and something wouldn't sync for a long time or something would get stuck and debugging sync problems was just ugh, a constant irritation. And I've never had any sync problems at all with 1Password accounts. It just, it's fast, it's reliable, it, it just works. And so I... I can't really, I can't really see the argument that it's lower in security. It's, it's not. It's at least as secure as it was before. In fact, I would honestly trust, even, leaving the encryption aside, I would trust Agile Bits more than I would tr trust Dropbox with just keeping my data secure on their servers. So, I mean, like if you just have some, some philosophical uh, objection to putting anything in the cloud for any reason, just because like I, you, what you have is a religious belief and I, I can't talk you out of your religious belief, but I, but, but don't, but don't tell me that it's rational because it's not. Joe Kissel is back in the next edition of Mac Voices to talk more about the new 1Password and how it's even better than the 1Password we have used for years. That's next time on Mac Voices. We'll see you then. As always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, 
Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com